triple C's. If you ever cross that line, line. I guarantee you there'll be nothing to save ya. I got a whole bunch of gorillas ready to pull the trigger and we out for that paper. Coming from a life of crime. I'm trying to be on my best Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We've got our offensive line review, and this is exciting. I mean, I kind of paved my way as the O-line guy, so I'm sure people will be interested to hear you know, our takes on these guys and, and, and how we use them going forward. So I'm excited about that. Um, Justin, how are you doing? Um, breaking news. I had an idea while I was in the shower today. Um, I will be evaluating my NFL draft prospects on this podcast and I, also on social media, wherever. I will be evaluating them on the Cold Stone Creamery scale. I actually think that's a good scale. Like it, love it, gotta have it. So, like, Jalen Waddle is on a gotta have it scale right now. You know, he's a guy that I looked at back in June. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to hate anyone because I don't know if I'm smart enough to hate anyone. Um, but like it, love it, gotta have it. My that's my three skills. I decided that today. The best showers that I feel all of us come up with happen in the shower. Bobby, where are places that you come up with good ideas? Is it also in the shower? Um, no, it actually comes up on Patreon.com. Patreon.com is where I come up with my good ideas. Um, want to know why? Because of the great support group of, of people. Like you want to know who Sage Wiseman? Why he's a Wiseman? That there's very smart <laughs> wise people in there who just grant wisdom on us. Um, and then, you know, people like Big Stammen. Like, I, you know, I don't think that's his real name. So, you know, he forces me to put Talking Giants Patreon on an envelope. But, you know what? It's That's the way Big Stammen is. He ain't he ain't, mm-hmm. he, he ain't caring. He's Big Stammen. And he's against Big Stalin. Um, and then Anthony, uh, <laughs> speaking of Stalin, Anthony Gra- uh, Granchinelli. Speaking of Stalin... Let's read off an Italian name. I know that was the joke. Can you say his name again? Uh, this is my. It's probably my favorite name that we've had in the Patreon so far. Anthony Granchinelli. Anthony. Oh, what a, what a, what a last name you have. Uh, these wonderful people, including Anthony, went to Patreon.com/slash Talking Giants two dollars a month to get to watch the shows live. And Bobby and I, we were rambling and bambling before the show started about nonsense. Um, and you get to just hang out with us. We have a great time. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants, $2 a month. We have a lot of fun. Bobby, a lot to do today. Yeah, a, a lot to do. Um, Justin, though, some, you know, some news that's happened in the last few days. The, the NFL sent out a memo. The cap won't be any lower to one than 180 mil, which is good, which means it'll likely be higher than that. So right now I would put the Giants at one mil under, obviously before cuts and everything. Um... So by time this thing whole starts, we should be we should be under the cap, you know, officially be, without making any cuts with free agency and stuff. NFL doesn't stop, and it, I mean, if there's one thing I feel like this proves, and I say it all the time about how awesome the NFL is, the NFL doesn't stop. Just when we think that there's may, there may be a little, you know, uh, take a backseat this off season, some teams may have to make some tough cuts that they don't want to, and that's probably still going to happen anyway. Um, especially because I think a lot of teams that maybe paid quarterbacks a lot of money weren't predicting that the cap would not drastically go up, so some cuts are going to have to be made. But the NFL doesn't stop. You know, Just when we think that there are going to have to be tough decisions made, especially for the Giants, um, we're kind of going. And Jordan Ronan kind of confirmed it last show 
where he was like, you know, think about the Giants and think about their highest paid player, and that is Nate Solder, and then it's Kevin Zeitler, and there's a good chance that one of them won't be on the team. Kevin Zeitler may be on the team, but they're definitely going to restructure him if he is on the team come next year. Giants aren't paying a lot of players, so uh, full steam ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be able to do what, you know, what what the Giants, whatever they plan to do, I think they'll want to do, you know, like, right. with, you know, within reason, so... Um, but you know we're we're gonna save some free agency stuff until that starts rolling around. Although I did have a video series idea, because we're not you know we we tr- we pride ourselves on not talking about the same things over and over again in the off season. Mm-hmm. We like to hit subject like we want to do everything once and do it right. Um, you know instead of talking about free agency in the draft for the next you know three straight months of like who are we gonna take at eleven, who are we gonna sign in free agency. So what I'm gonna do is uh, a YouTube series is gonna be the five most realistic. Um, free agent additions at each position so that means like hey are we gonna go sign a big running back no but you know what we're gonna need some type of running back in free agency whether it's bringing back a gom and more yeah like th- so the five most realistic guys at each position I, i'm actually really excited to do that series so we'll, we'll do that um other news the eagles traded carson wentz and that obviously is big to the giants carson wentz is now out of the division draft wise the the eagles could be in play to take a qb you know they do have the sixth pick so, you know, if a lot of people thought they would take a wide receiver, the Giants could be looking for a wide receiver. That could be one less team that takes one. But, man, the Eagles are in such a bad bad spot right now. They are in such a bad spot. And, you know, when they were saying they were, we want two firsts, it's like nobody's going to give up two first-round picks for Wentz. So I think they even got good value with that second-round pick, poss- you know, most likely turning into a first and then a third. I think that's good value. I think that's a really good return for the Eagles. Like it, it's good that it's not happening this upcoming season um, for us, but I, that's good value, man. And and you know, I think it's less about Wentz being broken. It's like he wasn't listening to his coach. Like Wentz, Carson Wentz was a bad teammate. Um, so part of me wanted him to stay with the Eagles, but it's it is funny to see them paying thirty three million dollars in dead cap this year for someone who won't be on their team. I mean, it's it's so unprecedented. Like this, <laughs> so much about this offseason is unprecedented when you consider, you know, uh, trading Goff and, you know, Stafford. You know, so I guess Stafford leaving Detroit is not really unprecedented, but, you know, the Rams giving Goff the contract and then him leaving. Deshaun Watson trying to force his way out of Houston, and Houston seems to be playing part ball and who's going to win, the organization or the player. And this was another situation where, you know, <laughs> where you just paid a quarterback bananas money and somebody in our patreon chat i'm gonna i'm gonna figure i'm gonna give him credit give him credit for i believe it was chris did chris thompson say this yes yes so chris thompson said carson wentz technically didn't even play out his rookie deal so to speak he was drafted in 2016 first round picks get that fifth round uh get that fifth round bonus year right fifth round op fifth round uh, fifth round fifth year option good job Fifth year option, so he didn't even play out that those five years with the Eagles, which well, he is did crazy. Play out the five years, he just didn't start the new contract. Right, the 2020-2021 season. So my bad. So he barely he barely played out his rookie year because he didn't even, technically he didn't even finish the year. Um, I think Wentz is shot. Now I know we kind of maybe want to talk about the Eagles, and this isn't talking football, but Wentz's shot was maybe a bold take. I don't think the experiment is going to work. I think he's a slight upgrade over Philip Rivers, what he was this year. So I think there can be success in Indy. Um, but long term, Wentz isn't what we thought he was, you know, from that, yeah. you know, year where he looked like he was going to win an MVP. That's that's just not who he is. 
Yeah. Um, he was a bad teammate in Philly. You know, he was just flat out just defiant of coaches. Um, and, you know, and he has an injury issue. Like, so I do think he is an upgrade over Phillip Rivers this past season. And so the Colts, you know, the Colts are going for it. And I get that. I think it's a good fit with Frank Reich, obviously. But um, long term, like, I don't think Carson Wentz is like, oh, we've, we've got our answer to Andrew Luck here with Carson Wentz. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about, you know, oh, the, the, the clean pocket, right? You're going to have more of a clean pocket in Indy. But even this year, Carson Wentz was bad in a clean pocket. And I was reading some articles, you know, and this is, you know, numbers, analytics, you know, you're kind of taking the eye test out a little bit. But there were numbers that kind of backed up that Carson Wentz's 2017 season was very similar to Phillip Rivers' 2020 season. Phillip Rivers was not a bad quarterback this year. And Bobby, you were kind of behind the whole, you know, Colts you know, Colts maybe doing something a little bit in the postseason during the regular season. And Phillip Rivers was kind of a lot better than uh, a lot of people thought that he would be. So I don't His know. Arm was I done. don't know, man. That's, that's, that's the difference, though, as Rivers' arm was done. It wasn't right. like... Well, Wentz isn't looking much better, so... It's. I don't think it's going to work. I'm, I'm part, there's part of me that's going to root for it because I kind of liked Carson Wentz, what he was doing. I liked what Philly was doing. It's also crazy how fast Philly went from, oh, yeah, they're going to be running. You know, Wentz is going to be running the NFL. People were talking about Wentz being a top five QB at one point. One point, Dan Orlovsky was saying that this year. <laughs> to now they are this, and they are in such a bad spot. So, I mean, do we want to kind of flip this to a Giants thing about – what do maybe they do it? Uh, do they do quarterback? Do they do wide receiver? What are we thinking? I don't know. They can't spend anything, right? No, they have no. It's, they can, it's either Jalen Hurts or they draft somebody. Do they like Jalen Hurts enough to do that? I don't know. I personally think Jalen Hurts kind of sucks. So, so I don't know what they're gonna do. But they're they're a mess. Be- like the Eagles should be the worst team in the division by far next season. That's the hope. That's the hope. I mean, it could be Washington too. Um, cause they don't have an answer at QB. Yeah. Um, as much as, you know, Taylor Heineke, all that fire he showed, um, <laughs> and Alex Smith, you know, broken leg. I Alex. hope they ride with them. Yeah. Hope they ride with those. Please, guys. please go with Alex Smith and Heineke and Kyle Allen again, please. I would, I would love to sweep Washington yeah. again. All right, Justin, you ready to do the O-line review? Yeah, let's, let's do it. All right, Justin, the New York Giants 2020 offensive line went through a lot. Position coach, Mark Colombo. Was fired. Dumbo Colombo was fired midseason after an altercation. In comes Coach Dave DeGuglielmo. And then Dave DeGuglielmo gets COVID for the last week. Ben Wilkerson, who had been there through Hal Hunter, Colombo, and, and and Coach Gooch. He was the O-line coach the last season. And then Gooch isn't um, brought back. Rob Sales now the O-line coach going forward. Um, so, I mean, that's just, that's big, you know, for especially we're an offensive line that's a unit. Like, and... Doesn't mean Colombo's a good coach, but those guys like Colombo. They all like Colombo. Like, he was one of the guys they like Colombo. And I don't think there's some of them who didn't like Gooch. Like, if they just, mm-hmm. it, there are some who did not like Gooch, but um, I do think they played better. Um, so, the offensive line in 2020, you look at the New York Giants offensive line, did not play well. It did not play well. No, no ifs, no way around it. Did not play well. But it did get better as the season went along, especially with, you know, Andrew Thomas, namely. And I do think we do have some pieces in place with Nick Gates, with Andrew Thomas. We'll see what happens with the young guards. Um, really, the biggest question is right tackle and what they do with Zeitler going forward. Um, you know, their sack rate was the second highest in the league. 
they could not run the ball at all to start the season. Then they totally revamped their run game, changed their run scheme, and they were able to run the ball as the season went along. But, I mean, remember how bad it was? Daniel Jones was the leading rusher until, like, week 12. Like, they could not run the ball. So, Justin, more of the story, was not a good year for the offensive line. But there is some hope in it. It's not done. It's not finished. But there is some hope with some guys in Andrew Thomas, Nick Gates. We'll see, you know, the development of Shane Lemieux. Um, can we'll, What are the plans for Will Hernandez? So there is some hope for this unit as it stands. Yeah. All right, I got some I got some numbers for the unit as a whole. Then Bobby's going to get into some individual guys. Then I'm going to go, yeah, Bobby, I agree with you. Because Bobby just looks at the old line and that's like what he does every week. Um, but I got some good numbers. According to Football Outsiders, the Giants had the hardest schedule in the NFL. The Giants offense, that is. The Giants offense had the hardest schedule in the NFL in terms of the defenses that they played. Now, Bobby, here's a question I want to ask you. Was there a game besides Arizona where we looked at the offensive line as a group and said that bad performance didn't make sense? Let me take a second. No. The bad performances that they had made sense. Now, this does not excuse bad performances, but I think this was a very unique year where you are talking about they were legitimately bad, no matter who they played to start the year. They were legitimately bad, especially in the run game. And the stat that I San love Fran to bring up a little bit because they were banged up. Right, right. Um, but the stat that I love to bring up, um, I brought it on the up on the podcast a couple times, and this is as of October first, so three games into the year, basically kind of almost a quarter of the season. The Giants on thirty five percent of their rushing attempts were tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage, and this is as of October 1st. This was obviously the highest rate in the NFL. 35% of their carries tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage. They finished the season at 16.8%, which was 14th. So they finished the year at an above-average rate, which all of their rushing attempts by running backs, by the way, all of their rushing attempts were not being tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage, which, Bobby, if you ask me, if we're just getting a few yards in the run game per you know per attempt, and if we're not taking negative plays in the run game, I kind of consider that a success. I don't want to have a run game where even maybe if we're popping off a few big plays, I don't want to have a run game where whenever we do decide to run the ball, one out of every five attempts is being tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage. Um, so we talked about the hard schedule. The Giants were 27th in adjusted sack rate, which was not good. I think they allowed 50 sacks. Think about think about this. There were teams, they even like the Browns, where the Browns had their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, had a higher time to throw than Daniel Jones. Pretty sure Baker Mayfield had a higher time to throw than the rest of the NFL. But still, he had less, like you cut those sacks in fifty, like by 50%. He had like 23 sacks, 22 sacks this year. He was sacked 22 times. Daniel Jones and the Giants, you know, they were sacked 50 times, which is crazy when you when you really put it in that perspective. Um, Daniel Jones' pressure rate, according to PFF, was 40%. The average is, thir- is 32%. Pro Football Reference, uh, they had Jones as the fourth highest pressured QB in the National Football League. Bobby mentioned the sack rate, which, re- which was really bad. Um, including rushes by the QB. This is where it gets kind of positive for the Giants, and this is where it kind of gives me hope. Including rushes by the QB, the Giants had the 11th most efficient rushing offense to end the season. Um, 
And there were, this is including weeks where the quarterback didn't run the ball, where we're talking to start the season, there was a reluctancy to have Daniel Jones run that read option. And then obviously to end the season where Daniel Jones was hurt for the majority of the like final quarter of the season. So um, the rushing offense with the running backs was the 21st most efficient rushing offense. So Daniel Jones brings that rushing offense up an entire 10 notches throughout the National Football League. So um their directional running. Jordan Ronan mentioned last last episode, by the way. Um, this was a this was a nugget that I really enjoyed. That the Giants initially with Saquon Barkley wanted to be an outside zone rushing team. Um, Bobby, they were if you average, they were the third worst outside zone rushing team this year. Oh yeah, it year. was non existent. <laughs> They're out you know, every once in a while you get Nick Gates and Zeitler or or, you know, whoever to pull out on the edge. But there was Outside zone, like you said, was non-existent on this team. Yeah. They also didn't run it a lot. Um, they only ran it 6% of the time going towards the right end and 5% of the time going towards the left end. And that's that not was even outside zone either. No. Um, so what do, you, what, do you mean, what do you mean by that? I'm saying you can run outside and it's not outside zone. Right. That's just outside the tackle. Um, so they didn't run it a lot this year. I mean, I remember Seattle, it worked very well. Wayne Goldman's big 60-yard run. And then I think do we, if we consider remember Alfred but those Morris were even had pulling really, plays. Those were all pulling plays. Those were plays where guys were pulling and getting out on the edge. So that doesn't even count as out, uh, as 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 outside no. zone. Like we didn't okay. run outside zone after week one. And the really the only area where the Giants had an above average directional running offense was up the middle and guard. And uh, Jason Garrett and uh, and company ran up the middle in the guard 64% of the time. That was the sixth highest in the league with an average of 4.52 yards per carry. That was the 12th best. So um, up the middle, you know, this is, even includes Shane Lemieux, it includes Kevin Zeitler, includes Nick Gates. Uh, those guys were producing in, on a yards per carry basis that was pretty good. And that's all the data that I have. Rushing offense, especially with Jones, got kind of good, got pretty good. But the pressure rate, the sack rate, and everything like that is just bad and unacceptable. Cut. Bobby just got up, and I don't know why. So, Krish, this is a note for you. Note for you that we are editing right here. I will talk with the Patreon. This is what happens when I talk too long. I, I, I talked way too long about data. Did you, did you go on the entire time while I was gone? No. No, I did not go on the entire time. Well, someone had driven through my driveway and I saw pool equipment in the back of their truck so I had to run outside I thought they may have stolen some of my stuff but they were actually just a pool guy who was turning around well that's fun yeah yeah I saw it out of the corner I made I eye. made a note to Krish I made a note I made a note I said we have to edit this nope nope leave it all in leave it all in we're not leaving it in yes we are leaving <laughs> it in all right well, you want to talk about player individual players? Let's, you ready to roll? Yes, I I got my I got my data points out of the way. Pass blocking very bad. Needs to improve. Rushing offense kind of good, especially with Daniel Jones. It's going to get better with Saquon. This podcast almost heard me go off because I was gonna. I mean, I was gonna rip that dude from his truck. All right, <clears throat> Andrew Thomas. We're gonna go from left to right, boys and girls. Left to right, and Andrew Thomas. The New York Giants starter at left tackle, six foot five, three hundred fifteen pounds, twenty two years old. Justin, it wasn't even an up and down season. It was a down and then an up season. It was a down and then an up. Um, you know, Steelers Week One dominated. Dom- I mean, he dominated. He dominated Bud Dupree Steelers Week One. Justin, I mean, he was awesome to watch. And then the Bears game, he gave up a sack, 
But you, you thought it was like, you know, even though he gave up a sack, it, it you know, it wasn't a bad game. If you if you got rid of that one play, you would say like, oh, this wasn't horrible. Then the 49ers game wasn't great. Well, didn't give up a sack, but it wasn't great. And then Rams, the whole offensive line as a whole, the first half was horrendous, and then the second half of that game was better. And then Cowboys week five, you have the strip sack that gets returned for a touchdown on the big on the play action pass. And you know Andrew Thomas hates that at a high, and 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 you get it, you get it. Then the next week he gets benched, not because of his play though, because he's late to a meeting. And you're starting to have some worries about the kid. It's like he he's late to a meeting. He's not been playing well. Like this isn't good, you know. And then and we didn't we didn't know that at first. We didn't know that we game day. We thought he was benched, and it's because he was benched, like because he wasn't because he wasn't playing well. But then we find out after the game that it's because he was late. And to Matt Parrott played well that game. And I mean Andrew. And then all right, let's turn around. We got Thursday night football coming off the Giants' first win. Thursday night football, his worst game of the season. Gets given up. Gives up two sacks. Should have given up three brutally bad brutally bad there's articles start getting written you know you know paul alexander's talking about how you know mark colombo's ruined this kid it is at an all-time low like it got progressively worse up until that point but as Thursday night football they have a 10-day break justin they have a 10-day break apparently you know we talked like you know jordan renan said mark joe judge wasn't teaching like he didn't become the o-line coach but to the other people who say that he wasn't doing anything, they were literally fighting about technique. Okay? They were fighting about technique. So they obviously were something he was different was doing. And we saw a difference in the way Andrew Thomas played left tackle. We saw a difference. Everyone, we saw, you know, those games he was getting beat inside. He was getting beat inside. He played well week one because they weren't attacking inside. They found that weakness. They went after it. He started protecting his inside with his right post foot. Started protecting his inside and trusting his athleticism around the edge. Don't believe me because I said it. That's what Andrew Thomas said in a press conference. Trusting my athleticism around the edge. And it got so much freaking better from there. He shut down JPP on Monday Night Football. Next week, Chase Young. Oh my gosh, we lost out on Chase Young. Guess who dominated Chase Young? Andrew freaking Thomas. And now we're going up against the Eagles, the the team that embarrassed me. Shut them down. Carl Lawson, the Bengals, shut them down. The Seahawks... Did, we didn't, did Andrew Thomas even play? Because we didn't hear his name in that game. The Cardinals, they were struggles, but they were mostly in the fourth quarter. So you have a bad game. Miles Garrett dominated. Oh, he had COVID. He had COVID a, a month and a half before. Okay? And then Miles Garrett got two sacks the next week against Mekhi Becton. Okay? The Baltimore Ravens defense dominated them. The Cowboys, the team that got the strip sack that embarrassed him with Joe, uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman uh, calling the game. Dominates them. I am so proud of his rookie season if you're looking at rookie of the year yeah is Andrew Thomas going to fall into that no but what should we look at for a rookie left tackle should we look at the first eight games or should we look at the second eight games where he's playing teams for a second time what should we look at okay okay I get if you're if you're just grading his rookie season as a whole not great it's not a great year for Andrew Thomas but if you're looking at it from as a rookie I am proud of his rookie season. I, I, I liken it to Dan, you know to Daniel Jones and any other young QB. Okay? Yeah, did they have some mistakes, some interceptions? Yeah. But show me what they did well, and can you build on that? And so that's the goal for Andrew Thomas. Let's see what you did well. Can you build on that? Can you build on that? So, I mean, I'm proud of Andrew Thomas's rookie season. Yeah, and 
I think we were we were very transparent about this throughout the offseason and the second you know the second that we drafted him and the second the debate started of you know should he be, he be left tackle should he be right tackle we kind of embraced the idea that Andrew Thomas was going to struggle now those struggles I don't think were anything like what Nate Solder was doing even Andrew Thomas at his lowest Bobby how who who was more who was more at their low when they were low Nate Solder, Nate Solder in tw- Nate Solder in 2019. And people did not like that at the time because it was when Andrew Thomas was struggling. But, I mean, look at Nate Solder versus Brandon Graham. He was literally, Nate Solder was getting spun around. Like, Nate Solder's sacks were turning into strip sacks of Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, Andrew Thomas, it was just like they were sacks around the edge or, or right up the middle. Nate Solder, like, got looked totally si- silly. So, I had this take even after that Eagles game because people got mad at me. I was like, as bad as Andrew Thomas is playing, he's still playing than what Nate Solder did in 2019. Right. And that's not like that's not the bar we want to put for her. No, players. no, no. But, but in like, comparison, just... you know, in comparison and, and at least the outrage. Right. Like, I, you know, there there should have been way more outrage for Nate Solder in 2019 than Andrew Thomas in 2020. And, you know, you have to embrace that left tackle. It's the most valuable position, second most valuable position in the game of football. Right. Because it's ultimately helping the first most valuable position in the game of football. That is quarterback, especially when you have a right handed quarterback. And, you know, and you can maybe even argue along with, you know, cornerback and quarterback because of how important it is. Also, it takes a lot of time to adjust and why we wanted Andrew Thomas to play at left tackle from day one. You know, Bobby had his reasons. At least my reasoning was the same reason why you want to play your quarterback year one, because and you want to play him in that spot, that particular spot at left tackle, too, because in play game experience where even if you're making mistakes and you're taking risks and you're making mistakes, you can learn from them the next year. You can learn from them as the season goes on. I mean, in in game physical reps are king over mental reps and over, you know, whether it's just the practice reps of let's just get our feet wet at right tackle in 2020 and then rock and roll at left tackle 2021. I'm glad that he went through the struggles and he went through the mistakes so he can be, so he can hit that ground running in 2021. Yeah. It's it's a hundred percent with you. Like let him work through the mistakes, and now he doesn't have to switch his positions. Right now he doesn't have to after this season switch positions. I'm so glad they played him at left tackle. Yeah. Um, you know if there's one good thing from Noit Soldier opting out is that they forced him. They yeah. that it forced them to play Andrew Thomas at left tackle. Because look at right tackle, would he have been better? Yes, because it would have been a Daniel Jones in front of him. And we'll talk about it with Cam Fleming that it's like you know. Cam Fleming's, when you look at just his numbers, aren't horrible because it was play side. You know, and that was the reason why, you know, we wanted Nate Soul to play right tackle. It's like, it's not going to make him good. It just means that the car wreck is going to happen in front of Daniel Jones instead of blindsiding him. So he he, he should have always played left tackle from day one, and I'm, I'm glad he did. Now, here's, because there was the big four tackles. Now, Tristan Morris played right tackle. I didn't watch every game of his. I did watch every game of Mekhi Becton and Jedrick Wills. Every single snap of those guys I watched. And most and most of them, tw- and the important ones, the good ones and the bad ones, I watched twice, two, three times of each uh, one of those guys. Andrew Thomas over Jedrick Wills, easy to me. Easy. Easy. He is superior as a run blocker. Like, much superior than Jedrick Wills as a run blocker. And that's something we didn't talk about with Thomas. Even through the struggles, he was always good as a run blocker. Mm-hmm. Like, he moves guys and he mauls on them. Yeah. Like, he, he just does. Um. You know, he can work on his technique, but he moves guys in the run game that Jedrick Wills didn't do all year. There was like there was clear data, and I'm, I'm sorry, I know you're comparing the tackles, but there was clear data that I was finding when Saquon was the running back that 
<laughs> this was especially week one where nothing was working uh, besides Daniel Jones throwing the ball downfield. But we were just running to the right side, right side, over and over and over again. And Th- Andrew Thomas was mauling dudes in the run game pretty much all year. And even to start the year, and we just weren't running to that uh, to that you know left side of the offensive line. Something weird about teams, they don't like their run to the left. I don't, underst- I don't understand it. I don't get it. Um, it's just like beating their brain, like you run to the right. Um, so, but he, he always, he, I mean, he just moves guys. It's, it's beautiful. He paves ways in the run game. Um, so that, so, and in the second half of the season, he was a, 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 he had better results in the past blocking game than Jedrick Wills. Jedrick Wills is a little more like, like polished. Um, but Andrew Thomas, I thought did a better job. Second half of the season, passing wise, Andrew Thomas did play better than McKay Becton. And they played some similar, some same guys. Andrew Thomas played better as a pass blocker than Mikai Becton. And then the run game, I put Becton slightly ahead of him. Although Thomas is more consistent. Becton's going to, like, there was one game where it's like Becton added, like, 80 rushing yards because he's so good. Um, So, second half of the season, Thomas, if you're just looking at who had the better second half, Thomas had better than Becton. Now, worse, I like I said, I watched one playoff game where I, I dove into it, and he played right tackle. So going full and Becton had injury issues. So I think there's yeah. a good argument to be had that out of those three, the guys who played left tackle, you take Thomas. Because he's better than Jedrick Wills. He is. Becton, if you could tell me Becton is going to be fully healthy, I would pick Mekhi Becton. But you can't tell us that he's going to be perfectly healthy. Right. He got injured three different times this year. So, you know, and, and it's not like he's it's not like he's a freaking mountain that, you know, Probably make him a little more prone to some of those things. Yep, so. that was that was a his size was. A, now I didn't I didn't say this because of injury when we were kind of talking about tackles, but his size did scare me coming into the pros about you know how uh, I was talking about how he can move, but it's actually translating to if he can stay healthy. So all the guy, I mean all the tackles, I feel like had a good year, and I, I think all the teams really liked what they saw. But you know, hope, Thomas was the one that definitely saw the most growth out of all of them. Becton kind of hit the ground running. Worfs hit the ground running, and I feel like Worfs kind of had some okay average to, I don't know, about bad games to kind of end the year. But Thomas was the one that kind of ended on the highest note, and Worfs, the, the expectation is for him to move to the left side eventually. I hope so. Yeah. He should. And I, I like Worfs. I, I watched him, the, you know, I broke down his game against the Saints. It was beautiful. Like, if he plays like that every week, then he's the best out of the four. Yeah. But also, he should play left tackle, and with Tom Brazier, QB is a little different. But yeah. I don't want to downplay Worfs because, you know, he's from what everyone says, he's freaking like a stud. So, yeah. you know, I don't want to hate on him just because he simply played right tackle. So, and here's something, and and, and we got to move on because we don't want to spend, you know, 50, you know, 45 minutes on Andrew Thomas. So, a draft talking point that pissed me so pissed me off so badly about Andrew Thomas because it was just repeated and it was one of the dumbest talking points. What is it? Just say it out loud. Andrew Thomas is the most pro-ready uh, prospect out of all the left tackles. So freaking annoying. What an annoying take that was. He was the, they you know why people said that, Justin? It's because he was the best in college out of the four. Because he was. He was better than worse Wills and Beckton in college. So they, that's what they said. But if you watched him, he had the most to improve on. And I think he's the most athletic of the four. Look at, don't talk, look at shuttle, 20-yard shuttle. Look at those times. Thomas has the best one of those. He has the longest arm. So he had, the, I thought he had the most, to, well, Beckton has the most to work with because he's a freaking mountain. But he, that inside foot, you don't think that showed up in college? 
That showed up in college. I, I We knew that was going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. His punch was sometimes wide, and he would lean, lunge on it. We, we saw that in college. He got away with it in college because he was faster, bigger, stronger than everybody away. Uh, bigger than everybody else. Okay, but we knew those were going to be issues. Guess what? Who didn't have much room to grow with? Jedrick Wills. He didn't have a ton of room to grow with. Worfs? Like, what is Worfs? Now, Worfs is really good, so, you know, that, that kind of counters it a little bit. Um, Becton has some stuff to work on in the past game, but Thomas was always the one that's like, he has some, like, technical issues that need to get worked out, and they're the things that get worked out. And we saw it as the season went along. That basically not lunging when you punch and protecting your right foot. Protecting your inside. And that's what he did as the season went along and what made him go from, you know, a hated player to now a beloved player. I constantly did this, like, all season. Whenever talking about Andrew Thomas's punch, I said syllables instead of symbols. You know, like high school symbols in the band. I yeah. keep on saying syllables. Because oh, like, yeah, it's a Rickyism. Because I, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Because you're Ricky. Yeah, I, I, I guess I am. All right, are we are we ready to move to the guard, the left guard yeah, position? We have to. We have to. We spent too much time on Andrew Thomas. Um, Shane Lemieux, six foot four, three hundred ten pounds, twenty three years old, was taken in the fifth round of last year's draft. Started the last nine games after Will Hernandez got COVID. Shane Lemieux is a tricky subject. He, it's, he's another guy where it changed on him. He comes in that Tampa game. Everyone's in love with him. Because they are tired of Will Hernandez, Shane Lemieux comes in and he play and 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 to his credit, he does really well in, in the run game. But he has some issues in the pass games. But Justin, I don't know what kept him in the starting lineup over Will Hernandez, which we'll talk about. But he struggled in the pass game. He gave up five sacks, and he should have had one more. I th- he gave up six because there was that one against Tampa where it was his assignment, but it looks like the running back. Um, so. Technically, he gave up six sacks this season in nine games. In nine games. To look back at, at some other guys, Will Hernandez had five in his rookie year. He had two last year and then one this season. Obviously, Hernandez didn't play the full season. Um, so, just to point to it. But he's good in the run game. He's a good puller. He moves guys. You know, he works with, you know, Andrew Thomas and Nick Gates well in the double teams moving people. Um, he You know, like I said, he can pull. He's athletic. He can get around on the edge. Uh, and he's nasty. He's a nasty dude. But... Justin, Shane Lemieux struggles in the past game. It showed up every game. Showed up every game. Sometimes, because it's the guard spot, the ball would get out, or, you know, you know, the, you know, know, Jones would scramble. But they were every game, there was a play that would make Shane Lemieux look silly. And everyone, not everyone, a lot of people would give me so much heat for saying Will Hernandez is better. And then by the end of the year, it seemed like everyone kind of got back on that train. Like, oh yeah, Will Hernandez is better than Shane Lemieux. Yeah, um, the need for the Giants as a whole to improve their pass blocking. You know, this is going to include a year full of Andrew Thomas, a possible Lemieux upgrade, uh, or Lemieux just increasing, you know, playing better, right? Taking a step up in his play. The Giants pass blocking needs to be priority number one in terms of how they develop as a group, but also, you know, how we look to upgrade the unit if we want to make a free agent acquisition or in the draft. Um, So Lemieux was disappointing in that regard, but also if you just think about what we expected Shane Lemieux to be, we expected him to be kind of well in the run game because he is a nasty guy, and we expected him to kind of struggle in the pass game. So this is what we expected. 
as for, from a fifth round pick. Yeah, go look at. I did a film breakdown before the Bucks game of Lemieux, and it's exactly like what I said. Um, you know, I don't you know like to pat myself on the back, but it's like I feel like I can get a good grip of of who offensive linemen in and evaluate and project them. So, if Will Hernandez was injured for the entire season, Shane Lemieux starting, does Lemieux have his issues? Yeah, but I feel like I'm not as like. Because I get viewed as like negative on Lemieux. It's just I think the guy that behind him was better. That's yeah. that's it. Because fourth to fifth round rookie, for playing as a rookie, I'm happy with this like rookie season. Like overall, like yes, the pass game needs to get worked on, but that can be looked at. Let me look at Hernandez. Five sacks in his rookie year, two in his second year. Um, so it can be improved. I don't think he's gonna be a great pass blocker next season by any by any means, but he can do. Like he should develop. And the run game, like, there's so many positives. So, I, I, you know, like, I don't view his rookie season as a negative. It just has to do with the whole idea of him playing over Will Hernandez, you yeah. know. Somebody's got to be bad. it wasn't because Hernandez had COVID yeah. Some, know, at the end of the season. Somebody on the line has to be bad, right? When you're, when you're, when do, you have a quarterback that is sacked at the second highest rate and who's pressured at the, like, the fourth highest rate, somebody's got to be bad. <laughs> and, yeah, he's a bad pass blocker. Yeah. He's like it's just he's just he he's a bad pass blocker, but right. doesn't mean he he won't get better, you know. Um, you know he split the like, but week seventeen he played a hundred percent of the snaps. Like Will Hernandez did not play at all week seventeen. That's yeah. kind of like we'll we'll say we'll say some of that for the Will Hernandez portion, but um, yeah, I mean he's bad as a pass blocker. It's it's just flat out like he gets and there's plays where he gets embarrassed, he gets swam. Um, he's a bad as a pass blocker. He's good in the run game. He's good in the run game. So I mean. That's where we're at with Lemieux. So let's let's talk about Hernandez, and then we can talk about big picture what we do with those two guys. Yeah. Well, Hernandez, six foot two, three hundred twenty-seven pounds, twenty-five years old. Um, this you know, two thousand eighteen second round pick. So this was his third year. Um, this upcoming season is the final year of his contract. Did not miss a snap in the NFL until he got COVID and missed the Tampa Bay game. After that, his the highest percent of snaps he played all season was thirty-seven percent. He was benched. Not that, you know, it was not like, oh, he's struggling to come back from COVID. That could, argument could have been made early. He was flat out bench. You want to know why? Because week 17, he played 0% of the snaps. 0% of the snaps. He was benched. He became a hated player by the fan base. He was a hated player. He was a hated player because of the expectation that he wasn't for 2018, which I get. Like, the expectations for Will Hernandez were to be a pro bowl guard, and that's not what he is. I don't think he's going to be that. Um... I think he's an above he's an above average guard to me. That's who I think Will Hernandez is. I think he's a solid run blocker and a decent pass blocker. I think he's an above average guard. I think he would start for almost every NFL team. I really do. Um, so, uh, I I don't know what happens with Will Hernandez going forward. Bobby, we we would think we would hear something by now, and even just like whether it's a rumor, whether it's a report. We, we have heard nothing about what the explanation was for why he did not play, right? We've heard, we heard nothing. Basically, I've, nothing report, nothing has been reported. And I've had random DMs from random people who have said like, oh, I'm friends with like John Jalapio, who said that he doesn't work hard or he's not paying attention to film. Like, so I, like, we can't go off of that, you know? No. Um. So there is nothing that we have seen to explain his benching. And it's not the play. Like, you know, 
I always give you know these coaches credits is like they are way smarter than me. But everybody who watches film says Will Hernandez is better than Shane Lemieux, and it's not even close. But that so would lead me to has believe to be something going on behind scenes. Yeah, that that would lead me to believe if it's like okay, it's clear as day that you know Shane Lemieux was not an upgrade over Will Hernandez, and Will Hernandez actually isn't a bad guard, right? It's not like they wanted to play Shane Lemieux. I mean, now this is what I'm just presuming. It's not like they wanted to play Shane Lemieux to get him those reps because they know he's the future. Blah 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 blah. This coaching staff, and I don't know if this, I don't, I don't know if the previous coaching staffs would have done this. Um, this judge coaching staff, if you aren't even the type of player that they want you to be off the football field in terms of your attention to detail and you know the way that you are paying attention, um, you won't play. But it's just, it's just so crazy that the skill level in the pass game, and the pass game is like, I pass blocking is more important than run blocking. Right, I mean, I, I don't think that's a hot take. You know, most of your yards on an offense, most of your points, they're coming from throwing the ball. So, pass blocking is the most important facet of the game. And when you have a quarterback that is sacked, that's sacked at such a high rate, and the skill level between the two players is is so drastic, there had to be something else happening behind the scenes, which leads me to believe. I almost wish it was, hey, we genu- we just genuinely don't believe in his ability to play, because then he would have, be- then they would give him another shot. Rather than we don't like you as a person, I don't know if they would be inclined to give him another shot. And this is all guessing by us, you yes. know. Like this is this is guessing because we it just we're trying to make sense of why you know someone who I think is a, is a decent player was not playing. You know, you even just look at his numbers. You know, it'd be one thing if you know we were out here telling you like, oh, this guy like he doesn't suck, and it's like, well, look at how many sacks he gives up. You know, it's it's like he has good numbers. He's a good run blocker. If you, you know, if, if people are in analytics, like his run block win rate is like elite. No, I don't want to hear that on the show. Um, I, I don't want to hear that on the show. I agree. I shouldn't have brought. I shouldn't have brought that up. But I need to was, do. He was flat out benched. He was benched, and uh, and we don't. We're not using run block win rate. No, you're right. I I got tempted to try and make a point, and I used something I don't believe in. So. Nope. Um, I'm I aware. I back. saw something today that said he had the second best run block win rate in the National Football League. But, you know, until somebody tells me or until I can find that on my own, which is, is also negligence on my end, until I can find out what does that mean, I'm not going to use it. I agree. And it's it's it was it was a very hypocritical of me to use it. I'll, I'll be, you know, when I'm a hypocrite, I'll tell you, I've been a hypocrite when I when I even just muttered <laughs> that as a as a as a way to validate my take. Um. I just became everything I hated all in just for like one <laughs> just to validate a take. I, I'm really bothered by that now. <sighs> Slimy media um, snob. So But basically the long story short is there's no way he can go into two thousand twenty one on the bench of the New York Giants. Either he's not with the Giants or he's starting. Like I don't think there can be any in between there. I agree. One hundred percent agree. Anything else on Will Hernandez? No. No. Let's move to something else. Which that thing is DraftKings. DraftKings, it's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean that the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week, and if your team makes it, you reign in 
$100. That's right. All it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no-brainer. This slam dunk offer is an offer that won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook, and get in on all of the action. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so much more. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its customers since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big pay days. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOMBOY, J-O-M-B-O-Y, to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code JOMBOY for your new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. NJ, Indiana, Michigan, you've been saying Minnesota, and we need to talk about the abbreviation of states. Minnesota is M-I-N, Michigan is M-I, Michigan or Virginia only, new customers only, restrictions apply, winnings paid out in four dollars free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT or in Virginia 888-532-3500. I lived in Minnesota too. You've been saying Minnesota in the ad read and I'm like, Bobby, it is not Minnesota, it is Michigan. Oh well. Um, all right, it's time for Giants stories where we literally look at their Insta- the Giants players' Instagram stories and we give you a little, you know, we'll talk about their lives. Justin, cue the freaking music. Congratulations, Blake Martinez. He's pregnant. Pregnant. Pregnante. Per- congrats on the sex. How do you know I am pregnant? Um, he also put up Lenny Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Thomason, and James Bradbury's jerseys in his gym. Which, by the way, if you didn't know, him and his father built it. Wow. Leonard Williams was at a Miami club with a foam gun. Really cool. I mean, I really want a foam gun now. Because, uh, you know, we are a you know, pro-gun violence pot. Cam Fleming was skiing. Or was he watching his kids? Because that's a big man to be skiing. Trent Harris went into a drive-in movie theater, sitting on the tailgate, kind of cool. Alex Bachman was surfing. RJ McIntosh was driving a dune buggy out in the dunes, which was beastly. Dexter Lawrence was hanging out with BJ Hill. Golden Tate was in Cabo. And Donnie Holmes was riding them jet skis. This is my impression of a broken jet ski. Fill me with gas. I might be overheated. 3.1. It's, it's a Bo Bur- It's an old Bo Burnham song. Justin, what piques your interest here? There's well, a lot of cool stuff on this one. Well, I have to say, if, like, if if we had to make a scale of you know one to 100 of the percentage of how much we wanted to hang out with Leonard Williams it would already be at like 110 now that he's bringing in gun like little gun jokes into his life and making them public does that scale not go up even more yes it does yes like like I don't want to go into the club I'm just not a club guy even when I used to party I was never a club guy um but yes I want to play at the foam gun you know who I do want to hang out with this week the most? RJ McIntosh. Yes, RJ McIntosh. He does that Dude, stuff all the time. 
that's so much fun dune buggies are so much fun like so that i mean that's just that's just living the life right there mm-hmm. the dune buggy well he, here's the thing he, he, all right here's the theory ready for this odds are one of the defensive tackles is going to leave the last time we had a defensive tackle and an interior defensive lineman that did very adventurous things in the offseason he had an 11 and a half sack season rj mcintosh is doing adventurous things this offseason he is going to have 11 and a half sacks in 2021. <laughs> I like it. Hey, <laughs> let me do this real quick. I'm going to figure something out. Um, and while I figure it out, we could talk about Trent Harris went into a drive-in movie theater. Have you ever been to a drive-in movie theater? No, it's honestly on, it's a to-do list item. Hopefully they still have them. That, I know they had them last summer. They like brought them back because of the Corolla. Hopefully, they are making a comeback. Hopefully they stay here this summer, even though, I mean, vaccine's probably going to take forever. We're never going to go back to normal. Hopefully they're, <laughs> there's really dark. Hopefully they, they're still around this summer and uh, some friends and I, we can, we can explore. Man, I have a lot of tweets about RJ McIntosh. I'm trying to sort through right now. Um, I've been to a drive-in movie theater once and it, you guess where it was? Um, on location for a Trailer Park Boys filming site. No, it was in upstate New York. Oh. I, we saw two movies. One was Ratatouille. You know, it was with family, with the younger kids. So one yeah. was Ratatouille. And then another one was like a like a kid's... I can't remember what the superhero was. I, I can't remember. But it was some type of movie like that. Okay, so let me do look at this up. R.J. McIntosh. Let me look up Willie, Leonard Williams snaps. How many snaps did Leonard Williams play in 2020? Oh, are you are you going to do this right thing? <laughs> yes, I am. I am one hundred percent going to do the right thing. So, should we make Leonard the offense? Williams, should we make the offensive line report a, a two parter? <laughs> no, we're gonna. If we have a death, do a long episode. We'll have to do a long episode. This is becoming okay. a Joe Rogan pod. I don't know. If, I don't know if people have noticed. Like the Jordan Ronan, that was that was a very Joe Rogan esque episode where it was almost it was like almost an hour and a half. I thought that was a good episode. We got a, got a lot of f- positive feedback. We did. Th- uh, thank you for listening. To- I want I wanted to start the show off with that. Thank you for listening to that Jordan Ronan episode. So if you look at R.J. McIntosh's snaps stats per snap in 2019, Jeez. and you give him the same amount of snaps as Leonard Williams, he would have had 12.87 sacks this year. That's almost 13. I know. That's more <laughs> than Leonard Williams. So checkmate. Shouldn't pay Leonard Williams. Covered sacks. That's it. Um, don't get me started. All right. all right, all right. Let's um, let's get back into the offensive line review, Justin. Yes, and we're gonna start with our friend Nick Gates, nasty Nick, six foot five, three hundred seven pounds, twenty five years old. Uh, signed a contract extension in the off season, so he is with us until through two thousand twenty two with a very good uh team friendly deal. Justin, here's a question: Is Nick Gates my biggest dub? Yes, because he was the most consistent Giants offensive lineman. Obviously, Best. I think you, you get more street cred for Andrew Thomas just because first-round pick, everything like that. You wanted him since, like, day one, blah, blah, blah. But I think the bigger dub for us personally is, you know, you doing the investigative journalism with, hey, Nick Gates, like this tweet if you're practicing snapping the ball. Because at that point, it was just a rumor and a theory. It wasn't, no, it wasn't even a rumor. It was just a theory. And then at that point, it became a rumor and a little bit of like a, a report that, that you did. I was claiming, clamoring for Nick Gates to play center 
before the 2019 season was even over. Yeah. It was after the Dolphins game. I was... Because Justin, in 2019, he played started at right tackle versus the Jets. He was the best offensive lineman in that game. Started at right, at right tackle. Best offensive lineman in that game was Nick Gates. And then he plays Miami at guard. Be- I mean, plays beautifully. The, you know, he's pulling. He's, he's, he's killing guys. And then Seidler comes back. Remmers gets hurt against Washington. Week 17 versus the Eagles, he's playing right tackle. He played awesome in that game, too. Like, he played really good in that game against the Eagles. So, and I remember the week that he started versus the Jets. Remember, Halapia was hurt that week. So, they talked about, he's even practicing at center this week. He's the backup center if they need yep. a center. Nick Gates. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And, the, obviously, he had the really good 2019 preseason. And here was my th- my thinking on the Nick Gates for center. 2020 campaign. He's too good of a player on a Giants offensive lineman that wasn't good to not play. He's too good of a player to not play. Starts at center. Week one versus Pittsburgh is bad. It's bad. But the people who were like, gotta end this project, end this now. After one freaking week, these people, end it, end it. What I told, what did I tell them, Justin? Even as bad as that game was against the Steelers, it wasn't as bad as Spencer Pulley versus the Jets in week in 2019. Can I say something really quick? Say something. We're happy with the growth of the offensive line, right? You know, we're happy with Nick Gates. We're happy with Andrew Thomas. So those are, you know, the two pieces that, you know, we're, we're most confident in. And, you know, Zeitler's future is unknown, blah, blah, blah. But isn't it crazy how low the bar was set for these guys, though? It that That's, that's crazy. And... <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna fix the old line, Dave Gettleman. All right, I'm done. But I'm it's done. not. But Nick Gates is not a product of a low bar. I'm talking about week Correct. one. Week one, he he had one bad game after that, and that was one of the Washington games. And don't tell me, oh, he he figured it out later in the season. No, he he was fine for Chicago. Everyone's like, oh, he's just gonna play for Chicago, and then you know he didn't put his hand on a ball when they were doing that dummy thing or whatever. And it's like, see, this guy's a moron. He was the best offensive lineman on the team. The best. Better than Kevin Zeitler. And we'll talk about Kevin Zeitler. Nick Gates was the best offensive lineman on this team. Okay? He was smart. He was always... He had in-play awareness, which that showed up in 2019. It was one of the reasons I thought he could play center. He was the best player. He pancaked guys every game. Nasty Nick is not just an alliteration. He was nasty. Um, and he has versatility going forward. Because you know what? If they fall in love with some center in the draft this year or next year... Nick Gates, you know you can move him out the guard, and he'll be awesome at that. I Nick hope they Gates don't. is a win. He is a win on this team. He is a good football player, okay? That is, I don't care who was on, what team we are. Nick Gates is an asset, okay? And he figured it out after week one when they blitzed, the, when the entire offensive line had it, didn't have it figured out besides Andrew Thomas week one. Yeah. He, he figured it out. So good on Nick Gates, dude. And they pissed me off with people who, Oh, he played horrible at the start of the season. No, he didn't. He's played horrible week one versus Pittsburgh. And that was your first impression of him, and you killed him. Nick Gates for center 2020 and forever. That was a good thought that, and and we didn't talk about this in our in our like positional review as like a whole. Giants <laughs> Giants offense was like the most blitzed team in the National Football League. Um, you know, which is probably partially why the pressure numbers are so high and the sack rate was so high. So maybe if you throw the ball a little downfield a little bit more, Jason Garrett, maybe that goes down a little bit. Anyway, anywho, 
you know, I talked about it when, you know, in terms of directional running, the middle and the guard, um, that was really the only above average performance wise in terms of yards per carry, the above average uh, performance wise when you compare it to the rest of the league in terms of our running backs running the ball. And Nick Gates was the Giants' most consistent offensive lineman this year. I can confidently say that. I had him as my. Did I have him as my offensive MVP? I think you did. He was the best. He was the best offensive lineman. And now let's talk about someone who should have been the best offensive lineman on the team. Kevin Zeitler, six foot four, three hundred fifteen pounds. He's going to be in thirty one and two weeks. Remember, he was traded on his birthday, um, oh, which tough. was weird. In twenty nineteen with the Giants. Bad games did not... Kevin Zeitler didn't have bad games in 2019. He was good all year. Solid all year. Never once did I complain about Kevin Zeitler. The one time you could have was a pulling play versus the Jets. And then when I went and back and looked at it, it was Caden Smith who messed up the assignment. 2020 he did, though. He had bad games in 2020. You know, San Fran was bad by Kevin Zeitler. Pittsburgh was bad by Kevin Zeitler. Arizona was bad by Zeitler. And part of this is on Cam Fleming. But the right side sucked at picking up stunts. The left side was so much better. And Nick Gates gave more help to the right side on these two. Like, they were really bad. So, Kevin Zeitler, still solid. Um, we'll talk about his contract, and I want him on this team going forward. But, it worries me a little bit, you know? We love Big Kev. And he he figured it out throughout the year. But he had bad games this year. Which he did not have that in 2019. So, the word regression gets misused and overused all the time. But if you're looking at it from 2019 to 2020, there was regression in Kevin Zeitler as he hit his 30s. Like he hit his 30s this year. He's going to be 31 in a couple weeks. And there was some regression. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be 31. We're not talking like 34, 35, though. Right. You know? This isn't like a, oh, he's done kind of thing. No. But there was bad games for Kevin. And, And, you know, Zeitler would admit that, you know, admit that himself. And he holds himself to a higher standard than we do. But there was, like, he wasn't like Gates was better than him this year. He was better in the run game, pass game, everything. Like yeah. like like Zeitler wasn't that solid, never have to worry about him type that he was in in twenty nineteen. Now part of that does have to do with Cam Fleming, which we can talk about him. But with Zeitler, let's do this. Got the fourteen and a half million dollar cap hit, two and a half million of that's dead cap. Do you think Kevin Zeitler's on the roster this year? No. I don't think so either. I hope I'm wrong. If they can get a restructuring done, then yes. But I don't think we should pretend like a restructure is just like, I'll just restructure. Like, he may not want to do that, you know? Yeah, a lot lot of people are acting like it's a snap of the finger. Oh, let's just restructure and add on years to Kevin Zeitler's deal. Which, knowing how, you know, we we, kind of... You know, we've, we talked to him last year, and we know how much the family kind of likes being here. So maybe he would jump at that opportunity at like, hey, I kind of want stability. You know, I was thrown around Ohio for a second. I was traded on my birthday um, to New York, and I kind of had to uplift or uplift the family life and move everybody here. Maybe he would like that stability, um, but I don't know. Because also, you, you want the stability long term, but... Bobby, how how often in the National Football League are contracts finished from to, from from beginning to end? So what? Kevin Zeitler would take less money for more years with the chance that he wouldn't live out that whole deal. Well, the the bargaining chip the Giants have is that only two and a half mil of it is is dead cap guarantee. You know, so it's not like it. You know, like he could be screwed. You know. 
Yeah. Depending on when they would do it, you know? Um, so he could end up screwing himself and, and, you know, making less money than he could in a restructure. So that's the bargaining chip is like, Hey, we'll offer you more than you're going to get in the market, but we're just not going to pay you this 14 mil, you know, because, yeah. you know, but someone may pay for something for Kevin Zeitler. So it, it really is up to Kev, to Zeitler and, and whatever the giants want to do. You mm-hmm. know? So, um, I go back and forth, but I just think there's a, you know, they shopped him at the deadline. Like they did, like that yeah. wasn't fake. They shopped him at the trade deadline. So this idea that they would flat out not move on from him, like that there's no way they would, isn't true because they shopped him at the trade deadline. Yeah, they shopped him at the trade deadline. And I was against that too. Yeah, I was like, unless you... Sorry, go ahead. They shopped him at the trade deadline and did not shop Dalvin Tomlinson, whose contract was expiring. Yes, they like, and, and I was against that. Like, I was like, unless you're getting a day two pick, do not give up Kevin Zeitler for a fourth round, fifth round. Do not make this offensive line worse. Yeah. Because moving on from Zeitler does make the O line worse. Yeah. Let's talk about Cam Fleming. Six foot six, three hundred twenty pounds, twenty eight years old. One and a half million dollar contract. Obviously, he'll be a, a free agent. I know everyone hates Cam Fleming, but he wasn't meant to be be the sixteen week starter. You know, Solder opting out screwed him. He got put into the starting week. You know, 16, 16 games. Um, so he was always meant to be the swing tackle. Um, so like I think if they knew Solder was going to opt out, I think they actually bring back Remmers, who I know he got torn up in the Super Bowl, but it's like he would have been a better option at, at right tackle than Cam Fleming. Um, Fleming was decent, and the fact that he wouldn't get totally beat around the edge, you know. Mm-hmm. But here's where he sucked. He gave Kevin Zeitler, who we were just talking about, he gave him no help, no help. So they would get screwed on stunts, and a lot of that was Cam Fleming's doing. It's not a total pass to Zeitler. But a lot of that was his doing. Um, he sucked he, in the run game. He was horrible. Like he did not like he was horrible in the run game. He left guys too early. He didn't move anybody. Um, he was bad in the run game. Uh, his you know he made mental mistakes you know too often for a guy you know that age. So, um, you know there was games where you you're okay with Fleming, but when teams stunted and did different types of things or or trying to bend the edge, um, it was not good yeah. for Fleming. I mean, here, here's how I summarize his year. It was good enough, and even when he was good enough, he always looked bad. Like, it just, it doesn't, like Andrew Thomas, it looks, when he's on, it looks pretty, and it's like, ooh, this is satisfying to watch if you like to watch offensive line play. Even for Cam Fleming, he, it was never satisfying. You know, feet are getting tangled tangled up and tangled around. You know, he, he's, he's running all over the place, and he's not, you know, he's not square. So... That's how I kind of summarize Cam Fleming's season. Then, especially when you have the bad technique to start, when things are going bad, it's bad. You know, it's yeah. not like when you have good technique and maybe you have a bad day where you're just allowing some ground and the guy's overpowering you, but you have good technique and kind of hold up. No, when he was bad, it was bad because he just doesn't have good technique. And we, and again, we knew that kind of coming in. Um, for Bobby, for the expectation that we had of Cam Fleming was going to be a tremendous red flag for the season, I would consider this a success. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we signed him, we didn't even like him that much as a swing tackle. No, you know, we, like, when yeah. we signed him, we didn't know like, <laughs> like when they signed him, like our first thoughts were like, oh, they're gonna draft a left tackle with the fourth pick. Yes, like that. That was those were our thoughts it. when Cam Fleming was signed. You yeah. know, um, and we were so right. so here. So here's I mean, sheesh. I mean, I wish we had. A, I wish we didn't spend. I wish I didn't spend six minutes talking about the numbers of this group. Um, cause we'll, we will pencil this topic in this conversation. Cause Bobby, we're talking about, you know, the pressure rate and the sack rate 
And that is the thing that needs to improve most with this offense, along with just upgrading its skill position and finding somebody who can be a big play guy, right? You know, so what does this include? You know, we're both saying and we're both thinking that Kevin Zeitler's not coming back. So that's a hole. You know, we're not confident with Shane Lemieux as a pass blocker. We, you know, we're, we're hope we have the hope that he can improve, you know, instead of Andrew Thomas, which who showed us we, he can, he, he improved. And then, you know, you're talking about this hole at right tackle. This is so, this is, I, I, I get a pit in my stomach. I, I get bad brain takes and, and bad brain, bad feeling when thinking about just how much work needs to be done and how little resources the Giants have in the draft and what the options are in free agency. I don't feel good. Well, let's talk about it because I think a big part of it is talking about it with Matt Parrott. Matt Parrott, six foot seven, three hundred eighteen pounds, twenty three years old, with a third round pick. He was always a project type player because his, I mean, his athleticism, his physique, it's nuts. Like the guy, he's huge. Um, played the left tackle, you know, the, you know, when when um when Thomas was benched, Washington, and then the whole talking points was like, hey, should should Parrott um be the starting left tackle? And we just moved Thomas the right tackle. That was another take that bothered me, um, pretty much. He. He, he opens the gate too easily. So he lets guys get around the edge. But he's athletic enough and he's strong enough where he can get away with that most of the time. But playing a full game, which he never did, you would you would see his flaws a little more. There were some signs of improvement against Seattle. And then in the towards the end of the season, it wasn't great for Matt Parrott. Um, so... I, which leads me to, are you comfortable with him starting at right tackle week one? No, but we may have to. That's the thing. And this is where you have to trust Judge, right? You know, we, again, a, a Jordan Ron on Nugget. The, the coaching staff and Joe Judge, their input was considered a lot more than in 2019, 2018, years past. You know, this coaching staff, they have their input and their footprint on who the Giants draft. And you have to trust that as a third-round pick. Now, I... You, you kind of, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if I want to, you know, prevent myself from drafting or signing somebody in free agency because Matt Parrott's there, but also let's not just waste that asset. That is a third round pick. You, you know that what? Right. That is the battle. That's the battle because I think he can like, and this isn't like, I think he can be a good right tackle. Like, I think we could, be, you know, look back three years. I'm like, man, we got Thomas and Parrott out of that draft. But here's the thing. I don't think Parrot has shown enough to take right tackle out of the play of free out of for free agency and draft. And when I say free agency, I mean actually going and getting like a good right, right tackle, not a stopgap. Um, and I don't think it's I don't think it's out of play with the eleventh pick. You know, if they if there's some if they think like, hey, the best guy on the board right now is an offensive tackle, I think you might go there and do <sighs> and, 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 and approach things the way Dallas did. It's like we're gonna build our offensive line really good. You know, and, you know, offensive line, because of the Super Bowl, everyone's talking about it a lot more. Um, you know, where before that, the, the talking point was like, oh, you don't really need O-line. You just need good QB players. So, well, you need at least average O-line play. Yeah. Um, but great O-line play does set you apart. It just does. Yeah. Um, so, listen, if he's the starter week one, I'm a little nervous, but I'm not like, this is going to go bad. If he's the starter week one, then what, then what needs to be a priority is, and it should have been a priority this year to not like solely rely on your offensive line because that's what the Giants were doing. When you're so conservative with not throwing the ball down the field, 
and you're looking at the trends and you're watching the film. You don't even need numbers to tell you this. And, you know, you're just looking at the film. It's like, why are teams blitzing the Giants more than any other team in the NFL? Like, the Giants had to be asking themselves that this year. What can we do to change teams from not blitzing the living crap out of us? And that was what they did in the Tampa game, which was throw the ball down the field more, which I we say the same thing all the time. If Matt Parrott is the starting right tackle, like, you know, day one next year, and if, you know, Shane Lemieux is the starting right guard next year, the same offensive philosophy cannot, cannot, cannot be applied, where we're just going to be conservative, and Jones is going to hold on to the ball while only throwing the ball, like, on average seven, eight yards down the field. That cannot happen. Cannot. Yeah, I, I agree fully. Um, but if the O-line is upgraded, and if you make it a beast unit, then sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Why <laughs> I don't know. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. Um, now, I know we're running a little long, but I did put down Nate Solder. Now, Nate Solder screwed us by opting out. Because I think he would have been a better right tackle than Cam Fleming. Well, okay, so how do you define screw you? You're, you're talking about the on, the on the field or off, like, because off, off the, the field, field more so. Because we were expecting him to cut him this year with not a lot of dead cap. I mean, Logan Ryan is, is not on the team without Nate Solder. Let's let's talk about it from you know Nate from Solder's the, con from the contract. offensive line perspective. Okay, yeah. and if they and if they really wanted if they really wanted Logan Ryan, they could have figured something out. They could have just cut Spencer Pulley or something. Um, you know his contract was seven and a half mil. They could have they could have figured that out. Yeah, I think the Giants should tell him to retire because the June first. You know you saved an extra six mil in cap space because of the, you know the June first thing, but you also don't want to screw a player and make. You know, where he has no free agency. Right. You know, you don't want to cut him with no free agency. Like, that's like teams don't w like doing that post June 1st thing. But if I'm the Giants, I am telling Nate Solder, listen, man, you need to retire. Okay. We, you know, we respect your decision, but, you know, we weren't planning on having your contract move back a year. You need to retire, or we're going to cut you post June, June 1st. And you're not going to have a team that's going to nope. come get you. So. You know, if if someone comes and gets you at that point, it's going to be for very cheap, very cheap. And I don't know if you're going to want to move your family and do all this um, for a cheap contract like that and, and not be guaranteed a spot, starting spot. Um, you know, Nate Solder, he's just not good. You know, he he was a liability. He was worse than Andrew Thomas was when Andrew Thomas was bad. Yeah. He lost um, this games. I mean, it, it, it hurt. And we, we talk about it all the time. It hurts us to say this. But Nate Solder lost us football games in 2019. I there there is a part of me that thinks if Nate Solder was an average left tackle in 2019, Pat Shermer may still have his job. He would. He would. It's crazy, but he would. And we we know we don't need to go back and, and bring all that up. But it's true. He lost us games. You know. Um. So if I'm the Giants, I'm telling him, you know, do it on your time. But you need like, yeah. you know, we're not gonna do you a favor. You know what I'm saying, which is yeah. brutal, and I feel for, like I think he's my he's my like one of my favorite human beings. The stuff he goes through his family, it, you know, we say this every time we talk about him. It breaks my heart, you know. Like I've broken down thinking about his family situation, but this is a cutthroat business. He's made a lot of money, you know, and being like, hey, you you need to retire. Yeah, Patricia and I think Trania, he's going to anyways. Patricia Trania brought up the the thought process um, on Sports Illustrated about doing the same thing that Drew Brees did about reducing his base salary 
so the Giants can save a little bit more, get a little bit more relief, and I think that would get them more relief if they chose to cut him before June 1st, so they don't have to wait. Um, so if they reduce his base salary, I'm not a cap guru, go check out the article um, if you want more information on that, but they can do that, they can do what Drew Brees did and the Saints did, and kind of just like helped out the team a little bit more in terms of helping the dead cap situation. Okay. So yeah, I'm not good at cap stuff. So if they can finagle it and then let him test free agency, that's something. Then you could do that too. Yeah. But basically, the whatever they do, I think the Giants need to be like, hey, you're going to be a June first cut, whether it's like we're we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna cut you before then with your current contract. Yeah, basically no. is what I'm saying. No, there's no way, and there's no way that he's a part of the plans. No, his no. contract is too big to just be like I will let you run at right tackle. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, and, you know, being a year from not playing football, you know, like, I don't think he's gotten better from that time. So, so, um, all the love in the world to Nate Solder, but it's, 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 uh, you had a nice career. You won a couple of Super Bowls, time to retire. Yeah. Or go somewhere else. All right. That's an episode. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Tuesday. If there's no big news. It will be the Daniel Jones year in review. Ooh. Um, so get excited for that. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you then. Enjoy your weekend. Until then, let's go. Big blue. And buy the Talking Giants shirts yeah. versus the World shirts on the store now. I meant to mention that at the freaking beginning. Damn it. Can we just like put that somehow in the beginning? No, it'll be a good time to introduce the show for the Daniel Jones year in review. That's when we'll promote it. But I wanted to do it on a Friday payday. All right, get the Talking Giants versus the World shirts on the store now. And let's go big blue.